Welcome to Friday in the Day at the Mon podcast. And uh, as I open up the show today, walking down a ram-packed full pit lane full of thousands of fans enjoying the traditional pit walk on the day before the Le Mans 24 hours. The 87th running of the great race starts tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but before we get to that, with thanks to Cooper Tyres, with thanks to our friends at the Justice Brothers, and this week uh, with support from the guys at Genetic Cars, whose brand new LMP3 car uh, has been unveiled this morning and sits at the moment with the other three LMP3 cars uh, on public display on the run up to the Dunlop Bridge, the new G61 LT P3. Uh, we'll be bringing you some interviews and a special show later today uh, and what's been a very exciting day indeed for the world of endurance sports car racing, revelation of the... Uh, new regulations, the hypercar regulations now confirmed for the 2020-2021 season and beyond. The uh, announcement from both Toyota and Aston Martin, they will be bringing brand new cars here to Le Mans and for the full World Endurance Championship. Uh, but beyond that too, th- in the meantime, in 2019-2020, we'll be getting a 33-car full-season grid for the FIA World Insurance Championship. Rumours of the ill health of the World Insurance Championship massively overblown by some, I'm afraid. Uh, but plenty of interviews to come on that and much else what's been an exciting but incredibly busy day here at the Circuit de la Sarthe. Let's get on with it. Here in the aftermath of the annual ACO press conference at Le Mans, and I've got with me now Gerard Naveau, the CEO of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Emotions now that we've got the uh, regulations out there. Well, I feel it's it's good perspective. We have visibility. This is what we are looking for. It's when you drive a car, you like to to see how is the exit of the corner, which is the case now. So we have to to make all our energy and uh, our knowledge to try to make sure that we will be on the right trajectory to deliver a very good regulation for September 2020. The questions I have with the target time stated for here at Le Mans, what's the future of the P2 class going to look like in terms of speed? Well, I say that there's a minimum time of 3.30. That's the mandatory uh, target. But we, we feel very comfortable that it should be a little bit quicker for sure at the end. And we will see exactly how is it. We do something on the paper now. We have to see the car running in the middle of the winter to have a clear idea about that. And uh, if we have to reduce by 50 horsepower, for example, the LMP2, it will be not difficult to do it. But it will not change really uh, the structure of the grid. I think that the order will be absolutely uh, the same with P1, P1, P2, GT and GTEM. The only thing that we will have to be careful is what is at the end exactly the performance of the uh, the performance level of the new uh, uh, Le Mans uh, hyper, uh, prototype hypercar. How confident are you in the balance of performance process that you've just outlined there between the prototypes and the road going based? I have very clear uh, answer. Uh, I have a very clear answer for that. I'm confident as I was confident for the BOP and GTE. And who can complain today about that? When we introduced this BOP uh, two years ago, if I'm well, many people were very sceptical about that. And when I saw the qualifying session yesterday for Le Mans, that's the only command we have to do. Look the, look the timing and let's discuss about that. So I think it will be a huge tough for the people, but as they have established a clear rules and they have a good knowledge about the specificity from each different cars, I think that we should be able to do something very serious. That's definitely the job we have to do. There is a job to do for sure. So we have to make sure that the BOP will work very well. But there is, they did very well for the GTE with uh, different cars, very different cars. So 
I'm confident to say that it could happen exactly the same with the LMP, LMP1. We expect two cars, or two manufacturers, apologies, for year one. For year two, what's the expectation as it stands now? We expect more than two manufacturers. So apparently for you are better one? informed for than me. One? For year one, I don't say that. I say that at the end we use, but you never think for year one. You think for the, the, for the validation of the regulation. So uh, for year one, I think that reasonably two that uh, you have to enjoy the day now to know should be ready but very other many others should come very quickly uh, the, the following season etc etc and maybe maybe more than one on the your own you never know at the end so you have to be careful that's not my job i'm in charge to to manage the championship and to take care about the grid so i revealed the grid for season eight now very frankly with you i don't have any idea of the grid nine now so season nine so i have to wait a few months again We've seen the P1 privateers have been kind of the backbone of the, the top class for the last year and they will be next year. Are you confident that these new set of regulations will attract privateers uh, to come back? I sincerely hope because this is the part of the story. These guys are doing a very good job. And my feeling is that also that if you want to do a good structure for the future, a good business model, probably... You don't have to expect only a single manufacturer involved. I think that the, the structure can be an addition between uh, a, 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 a manufacturers who is able to provide the technology, the engine and many things. But you have also to imagine to have, why not, an operational team running the car on the race, which is already the case with some manufacturers. Then a sponsor also participating to the effort. And in this case, you can easily uh, find again uh, the, a good structure for the privates with a joint venture with manufacturers and with the uh, operational team. How careful do you have to be with uh, maintaining the GTE numbers that you've got going forward past next season now? I think that we have three. We, we start with two. We had luckily uh, five last year. We Normally we stay between three and four usually. So the target is to stay with this level. Less than three is not very good. More than three is very likely. So I have to say that three is good. But let's see how it works also, because you have to know who will participate to the top categories, who will stay in GTE, who will do the combination with the two. This is very two different, very uh, two different model uh, in, in GTE for the manufacturers. They have a business model that sell cars to uh, GTE and to privates also. So the structure is totally different. You cannot compare. So you can imagine to have maybe on the both platform the same manufacturers, or you can imagine to have a new manufacturer entering in GTE because this is their own capacity, or some other arriving only on uh, on the top categories. Finally, just a message for the for fans and people who have been monitoring this for the past year, ready for this to all come out. What you know, what can they expect? Sum it up. Very frankly, the, the I think that the two presidents already explained what was the mean and uh, I would say the, the the idea when we build this regulation. But at the end, which is the most important for us, is to get happy the the fan and the people who have passion for the for these sports. This motorsport is is really attractive now when you see what's happened at Le Mans this weekend. We, we have a huge community behind us and our job is to make sure that we get them happy. And there is no other way than to provide spectacular race on each different level, on each different categories to make sure you get them happy. That's the only job we have to do. The rest is blah, 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 blah. The only thing that the people are looking for is do we have a battle, do we have a fighting, do we have a story on the track? And this is our job. So we have to try to make sure that it's happened. And I sincerely hope that this new regulation will help to do it also at the top categories. Thank you very much for your time, Gerard. It's been an incredible busy, incredibly busy day here at Le Mans. We've had the ACO's annual press conference. We've had Aston Martin announcing their hypercar program. 
And now we've had Toyota Kazoo Racing announce that they are going to continue racing in WC. So with me now is Rob Loyfen from Toyota Kazoo Racing to give us a bit more insight into that. Rob, my first question for you has is, is got to be, is there a bit of relief now that we've actually got the confirmation that it's actually all set? Yes, it is. It uh, has been uh, a heavy one this time. Uh, say last year presenting uh, the first 2020 regulations and we are now 12 months further and finally we have regulations where we can build a car upon. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, we are exciting. It's excited, it's a relief, it's something which is good for the future, it's good for Toyota, it's good for the team. I think it's good for racing fans, uh, uh, which are the most important one and uh, that's something where uh, yeah, we're now going to focus on building a new car. So Toyota is going to be racing a prototype based on the GR, uh, GR concept that you uh, announced here last year at Le Mans. Just how difficult is it going to be to get a car ready for the start of the first season of the new hypercar regulations at this point? The time is quite short, but we say we are able to do with it in the next 12 months to put a car on the road uh, or on the track next year. So our engineers will concentrate, are now concentrating. We have regulations since 15 days uh, stamped and uh, that means that uh, the chassis is uh, already now in, in a digital copy and uh, we are going to uh, uh, see when we can produce it uh, at TMG. The engine is uh, now say, nearly in a stage where we can uh, make the final tuning and then uh, go uh, put it on the, on the dyno meters in order to pre get prepared. So I think uh, in July next year, latest at the Prolog, we will show a, a, a car, we have to test it. Uh, it means also that if you do a new car, you have to do some tests on 30 hours or 36 hours in order to um, to be able to uh, to put the, the, the reliability in. So it's it's all short. It's short time. Uh, but to be honest, I think uh, we like it because uh, it puts a bit of pressure on us. Are you pleased with how the uh, regulations have evolved to this point? Um, because we've seen a lot of chopping and changes in the last 12 months. A lot of rumours circulating. We've got a final set now. Are you happy with the way that turned out overall? The way how it has been proceeding, no. It's, we say it could have been earlier, it could have been different if you talk so, since 12 months about it. But I think here you have to see uh, how other manufacturers uh, have to be, we say, slotted in, have to be discussed with. I think ACO, FIA were in a very difficult position. Um, and we say they had to find a concept which, uh, we say, pleases at least Aston Martin and us. And to get those two around the table uh, was was good. Um, there was a good atmosphere, as I, as far as I understood from the technical people, um, and it was an open discussion. Um, yeah, that it took 12 months will not make it cheaper. Put it like this. Oh, there is a bit of, of sorrow on the other side. It's um, we say we are relieved, and I think that's the most important one to look for the future. I think arguably the biggest challenge is going to be balancing hypercars versus prototypes and also hybrid versus non-hybrid. How confident are you in the way that the uh, ACO and FIA will manage this? I'm very confident. We have seen this also in the WEC uh, in, the, in the years 14, 15, 16, 17, where, um, where we had Audi with, with a diesel, uh, we had Porsche with a small turbo engine, we were there firstly with a V8 and then we switched to a, a V6 turbo. So uh, we had different hybrid concepts. So the ACO and FIA do have a lot of experience with this, so I'm, I feel confident that they will do it. They already done the, do it now today with uh, with the GTE, which is uh, we say also an automatic BOP where they do so. We, we can test next year also in the WEC. Um, confident that this will happen and that we will find a good solution and we'll see beautiful racing here in Le Mans in 2020. 
How much are you looking forward to battling against Aston Martin in year one? Because they've obviously just announced their programme and, and they seem excited to take up the challenge. Same as they are, we are excited. And uh, they've made a beautiful car, the Valkyrie you could see already around. So, And this is the car they're going to race. Uh, um, it's exciting. It's we say you know a bit of the people behind the car. So, yeah, you're back to top level racing, no doubt. And this is what we're here for, and this is what we like. And our our engineers will be extremely motivated to do that. The speed difference is going to be interesting. The target lap time for Le Mans is a three thirty minimum. I'm, I'm stressed by Gerard Nero. Mm-hmm. Um but that obviously means that you'll be kind of closed in with the P2 cars. What's your thoughts on that side of things? Well, I think that if you want to be, and this is how it is announced, a top category in the, in the WEC and at Le Mans, they have to do something about this uh, because it, the LMP2s are now at 325 roundabout. Uh, and today we are on 320 uh, uh, with, with the TSO 50 on lap time. So, yeah, we have to make some changes. And uh, I think uh, if you do a new category, you have to look onto the other categories, how you balance out this. Um, and then we'll see what, what the direction will be. But uh, we would like to see us as a top category here in Le Mans in the way. Is it come as a bit of a disappointment for you guys having to go at a slower pace around here? Because we've seen you guys break the circuit lap record and the pace is blistering. Is, is it not a step backward? From the pure pace and from the pure car concept which we see today, yes. But it's also driven by, by cost, which is very legitimate to do. Uh, but it's it's not that it's pure speed or the efficiency of the car you see here. You also want to come back to racing and racing other rifles on a similar level. And this is something what we would like to do. And therefore, you have to review concepts. And this is done. I think we have had a beautiful era here. We will see uh, this car this year and next year. Next year, we will update it a bit for Le Mans. So uh, maybe say with an attempt to, to go for a next lap record which uh, Kamui has tried to do yesterday but in the end we, we were not able uh, but it's yeah it's it's something which is defined new and if you close regulations you close a chapter and you open a new one so no hard feelings about that. Um, Aston Martin were uh, saying that they've not confirmed how many cars they're going to bring to the WC in year one it's at least two for them right now mm-hmm. what what's Toyota's commitment going to look like in year one and is there the chance for customer cars well first of all we fully concentrate on, on the works of team effort and uh, we have not considered anything about customer cars or customer support at this stage we also have to look into the regulations if we look last year's regulations or how they have evolved uh, we had to be able to supply a hybrid system uh, which now is doubtful because it's not mandatory anymore so we have to look into this and see how we go about this and then uh, we make uh, one step after the other because we are really late and uh, to include now uh, for example a customer car is out of the question how it will be long term we'll see how it develops is there a chance that Toyota would bring a third car like they have done in the past to Le Mans? We've done this in 2017 and uh, we could do this in 2021. Uh, yes, it's possible. We would not rule this out, but at the present moment, there's no plans to do it. Final question. We've got two cars currently confirmed for year one. And I'm told there's potential for more for year two, but we don't know the extent of that. What, what are your thoughts? You've been in the technical working groups. You're a bit closer to it than I. What, what can we expect from manufacturer input beyond year one? We have seen other manufacturers in uh, joining in, uh, in in the technical work, uh, working group, but they should speak for themselves how, how interested it is and what they are going to do about this. I'm, I'm the wrong person to, to make any comments on this. Um, if you talk about what is my, my wish or desire, <coughs> the more the merrier. And uh, we would like to see more coming uh, into this category, but we're happy that Aston Martin made uh, this big, uh, big, tra- big, big step and uh, we're looking forward to compete against them. Thank you very much for your time, Robin, and uh, have a good race tomorrow. Thank you very much.
I've got with me now Hugh Deshonak, the, uh, the head of Orica. Hugh, what's your immediate reaction to the hypercar regulations that we've just had announced here at Le Mans? I think it's a positive one because the main thing, uh, the key point was to take a decision. Since several months it was we don't know if we have to go on the right side or left side. And uh, on, uh, on my side I say we need to know exactly the direction. So the good fact today is that the announcement is uh, we go on this side, we take this road, we have this vision. Uh, so now in, uh, on the regulation, I think it's a positive regulation because it starts from budget. How can you reduce the budget? To reduce the budget, you know, to, have, to not make the hybrid mandatory, point one. Secondly, you need to do a bop to avoid to spend too much money on aero, etc. So I think that is a positive point to make a good regulation to start from the budget side. We hear so much about manufacturer interest and getting manufacturers on board and that being the, the sort of utmost importance for the WEC. But what about privateers in this? Are you confident that privateers will adopt, adopt this sort of regulation? Yeah, because I think on our side we, will, uh, we are going to do everything to come with uh, an OEM, uh, with a car manufacturer as a partner. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's a, good, uh, a good championship and a good uh, way to convince an OEM to come with a low budget and to come, uh, to come for this program. Will Orica produce a customer car to sell to privateer entries? Yeah, not for the moment in LMP1. For the moment we are going to focus uh, to have a works team with an OEM. You're focusing on what? Yes. So in a similar fashion to yes. what we get with DPI yeah. in America, yeah. that sort of relationship. Yeah, that's uh, what we would like to do. Yeah. And with, and are you targeting year two for that, or the first season of the WC with the new regulations? Yeah, we we are going. Uh, time is very short, so we are going now to to do our best to be on the starting line as soon as we will be uh, ready. Do you know what the current situation is with the current crop of LMP1 cars? Will they be grandfathered into the new regulations going forward? Uh, it's more to ask to ACO because I don't know and uh, me, uh, I'm mainly focused on the direction uh, to, to be ready with the new car. At the moment you're um, partnered with uh, Rebellion in their current LMP1 project. Can yeah. you comment on Rebellion's interest in these new regulations? I think we have to talk with them. Uh, they can be really interested because they love endurance and it's typically uh, the nice formula for them. So I think uh, Rebellion will be uh, very uh, interested to, to continue. In the same time, I want to find an OEM, as I told you, just to have a strong uh, team and a strong uh, partnership between an OEM and possibly uh, with Rebellion. Gerard told me um, that the situation with LMP2 is that if necessary they would slow down LMP2 cars. Do you think that would be a good decision at the moment? Because I mean the target lap time is 3.30 and we know that P2 cars can, can go underneath that at the moment. Yeah. That is a, a consequence of the regulation so that's something they have to work on the uh, uh, I mean on the P2 uh, just uh, to be uh, just to 
to, to find the right, the good solution for the LMP2 with this new regulation in LMP1, they have to reduce the lap time of the P2. It's a consequence, you know. Mm. So they have no other choice than to, to find a way to do it. How much of a disappointment do you think that will be for the customers who invested in these new LMP2 cars to go quicker? No, I think uh, if you reduce, uh, probably they are going to reduce with the engine and, uh, and some weight, but I think that... Uh, they will be certainly a little disappointed, but at the same time, it's regulation. So at one moment, uh, what is important is the competition, is not the top speed or the top lap time. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time, Hugh. Okay. I've got with me the head of Mazda Motorsports, uh, John Doonan. John, we're here at the OCO annual press conference. What's your reaction to what we've heard today and the story of the uh, the new regulations? Well, we heard a lot about it over the course of the last many months. I think... Um, as I've said before, from the Mazda standpoint, we're committed to the IMSA championship and the DPI. Uh, guys, they're taking those in. Uh, we're, we're very committed to the DPI uh, project, uh, both uh, currently and uh, as IMSA discusses DPI 2.0. Um, unfortunately, uh, resources are resources, so I uh, certainly couldn't uh, commit anything towards the future of the top category. Um, but. Mazda has a huge history at Le Mans, so you never know uh, what things will cycle out over the next uh, handful of years. But uh, really, our focus is on the IMSA project. Uh, we're continuing to make progress there. Uh, need to put the car on the podium here uh, as many times as we can before the end of the season. How closely will you be monitoring the development of this going forward? Because obviously we've got now the year before the season even starts, or just over a year. Um, how closely will you be looking at what we've what we've got with the hypercars? Well, we try to keep our finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. We've got a lot of technical partners currently involved in WEC, like AER and, and Multimatic. So um, don't know what either of them are headed towards right now, but uh, we, we all have our finger on the pulse. And, and as the rules develop and, and we decide with our executive team the proper strategy, to build the Mazda brand, uh, that's that's the direction we'll go. Yeah, that was, good. That was going to be my next question. There have been rumors circulating about some of your partners moving elsewhere. What can you tell us about the status of the Mazda program beyond this year? Is it still safe? Yeah, so um, when we put the uh, DPI project together back in 17, um, and then again when we transitioned in 18 to Mazda Team Yost, we have a, a five-year commitment, so we're in year two of, of five years. So uh, we've got several more to go. Um, that's why we want to focus heavily on what uh, the IMSA program is doing and the strategy that we have there in North America. North America is an extremely important market for Mazda uh, globally, and so uh, we're going to remain focused on that. Are you disappointed that DPR wasn't used as a plan B here? Well, I think um, for me lifelong dream to see the rules back uh, to, to allow teams to compete uh, both here at Le Mans and in WEC as well as uh, at places like Daytona and Sebring so uh, fingers crossed that someday we can get there. I've got with me now Ernest Knors from um, MTech, who's currently partnered with BMW in the WC um, just for one final weekend here. We've just come out of the ACO's annual press conference and this is somebody who knows what it's like to be partnered up with a manufacturer for a factory program and it's, what do you think of the, the hypercar regulations and, and what this means for manufacturer interests going forward? I think it's very interesting. Obviously, it's uh, a little bit of it was known. Um, there are some new elements to it, which I think it opens up um, the competition to, to uh, let's say, a, brighter, a broader spec of cars. And uh, there are some elements to it which level the field out a bit. So I think there is also a, a more 
a higher probability that you uh, you can compete with different technologies and I think that can only be uh, good news for uh, for any manufacturer or even a privateer uh, looking to enter uh, into it. We, we knew from when BMW announced their departure from the FIAWC that, that you were going to be searching for a new way back into the championship with, with MTech. Do you think this presents you with any more opportunities immediately? I don't know immediately, obviously. I mean, we, we are contracted to BMW. We are still contracted to BMW. Um, it's also true that we are evaluating our future because in the end uh, that is uh, you know we want to race we're a race team and a racing organization and uh, we want to be competing Um, I think any rules and any regulation that ultimately gets more uh, interest into a category will always be good for racing teams as well because uh, you, you know you always need people to operate it professionally even if the rules are uh, interesting you still need to capitalize on it and I think that's where we can be of uh, benefit obviously I know that MTech is is a how should we say a, a very very experienced team at various levels of motorsport. How capable would you be of delivering and running a hypercar program for a manufacturer with the resources you have? Well, I think we can do a very good job. I mean, uh, we have a, a wide variety of skills. We have a background in F1. We have a background in DTM. We have a background in in, in WEC. Um, yeah, I mean, from a confidence point of view I, I don't have that much doubts I mean obviously you have to respect the competition and you have to respect the, the challenges that it brings but uh, I think uh, it's also you know true that you can be confident if, if a challenge were to come away that we could do a good job of it. You're a competitor does it excite you these new regulations from a racing standpoint? I think anytime you get new regulations it gives you that tingle to sort of look for the edge and look for the the, maybe the, the the advantage that somebody else hasn't seen. I'm I'm pretty sure that everybody who's looking at it uh, from a professional point of view approaches that as well, and it, that is always exciting. I mean, in the end, rules are always an opportunity. You know, you have to look at them, you have to study them, and then you have to take the advantage out of it. And I think that's uh, if the rules change, it's always a new challenge. So uh, I'm quite keen on it. See, you've been involved in GT racing for the last year. What do you think this means for the future of GT? Because we've got manufacturer interest for hypercar. We don't know the extent of that quite yet, beyond the first season. Um, but what do you think, with, in terms of the manufacturer interest in, in GT, what would that be like going forward? You are difficult to judge. I think there's always, uh, there has always been different categories, and uh, I think there always will be different categories. I mean, whether it uh, the GT migrates more towards, uh, let's say, the the privateers and the the, the 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 AM category, or whether it still stays strongly involved with the manufacturers. I think uh, whatever happens, there will be a close competition. They're fabulous cars. They're uh, you know they have a, a very broad appeal to people that run with road cars. So. I think that's that's always going to stay. So there's always going to be healthy competition in that class, I think. Last time I spoke to you was in the immediate aftermath of, of BMW's announcement. Since then, have there been any developments in terms of your outlook going forward for, for MTech? Um, well, not really, because... Because it contracted to BMW. Yeah, no, also that, but uh, there was this small event that we still have to do, which is the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And, Believe it or not, that takes a lot of your uh, attention and a lot of, uh, you know, your focus. So uh, for us, that's been the focus in this month, uh, since since the end of May. Uh, and as soon as we sort of like hopefully successfully complete this, then I think the focus will be on moving forward. And uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still confident that with, together with BMW, we come up with a good resolution uh, for it. Whether that's together or separate, uh, we'll see. 
Thank you very much for your time and best of luck in the race tomorrow. Thank you.